Okay, good morning again. If you would, please turn to the Acts of the Apostles in your New Testament. The Acts of the Apostles, I'll be reading chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Acts 2, 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. Blessed is the reading. God's holy, inspired, infallible word to our hearts. Holy Father, help me. Help me tread on this ground this morning. As a pastor, as a teacher. Therefore, I beg that you just use me as a conduit for what is written here. On the page Scripture, and that we see, we see this moment in history, and that we would ask, what does it mean, and not mock? Help us by the very same Spirit that filled that room that morning. Help us by your Spirit to see and to love what we see to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning, we're, we're meant to get on our magic carpets and to fly back through time and to arrive in Jerusalem at the beginning of Pentecost in the year A.D. 33. We're meant to witness 
the official inauguration of the new covenant era, which came, as we will see, with a spectacular outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus just promised days before, as Luke, we have seen, records in chapter 1, Jesus said to them, Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so this morning, as in our journey through Luke, here we are, and, I mean Luke, yes, Luke volume 2, the book of Acts, as we look at this scene that Luke describes, we're meant not to be merely historians. What happened? That's important. What happened? But here's my prayer. That as we look at what is here, we would do so with prayerful hearts, yearning to be overcome with praise of God, adoration of God, to, to speak from our spirits, our hearts, the great things of God by the enabling of the same Holy Spirit. All right, so this morning as we approach this text here up front, I don't have much application for you this morning. On purpose this morning. My goal and my main goal is to unfold what the text says as objectively as I can. And I say that knowing that over the last 100 years within the church, the most, one of the most divisive issues has been the issue of speaking in tongues. Okay, with that there, that can really cause, depending on your experience, pro or con, to bring our subjectivity, our experiences in one way or another and try to read it all over the text. We have to be careful. So th that's my main goal this morning is to try to be really careful on that. Okay? Because this is the first time in our journey through Luke now that tongues comes up. That issue of tongues will be dealt with in another sermon. So, let's go to the text. Here we are, got on our magic carpets, and we're hovering over the room. Luke says in chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And so remember the context. Jesus has been killed for our sins. He has been raised to immortal human life 
forever. On the third day, he made appearances in his resurrection body over a long period of 40 days. And then, 10 days earlier, he ascended up to heaven in front of them. And for 10 days, they've been having prayer meetings, about 120 persons. Praying and praying and praying, looking at Bible that we saw last week that they dealt with the issue of a replacement for Judas. And now another day comes. It's morning time. It's anywhere from 6 a.m. to close to 9 a.m. Somewhere in there. And Luke says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, all 120 or so, were there together, all together in one place. Pentecost hits. They're in this house. Verse 2 tells us it's, it's a house. They're gathered together again. They're most likely praying. And this house, as it unfolds, is probably fairly close to the temple grounds. The temple is huge in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was much smaller back then than it is now even, and so it took a lot of space. And they got outdoor courts. It's like putting four or five football fields together. And, okay, and that's the outside as you would enter the temple grounds. They seem to be fairly close to that. And there are thousands and thousands of Jews celebrating and mingling together. All right. First, when the day of Pentecost came. In the first century, there were three main Jewish feasts that the Jews celebrated every year. Three feasts that actually caused thousands and thousands of Jews spread throughout the known world, not in the homeland, as where you saw Jesus ministering, but throughout the known world called the Diaspora, they would matriculate or make their pilgrimage during these feasts to Jerusalem and to the temple grounds. And those three feasts were, the first one happened in the spring, it was Passover, where they celebrated every year the deliverance out of slavery in Egypt. And Jesus was killed during Passover. The second feast is what is called Pentecost, which in your Bible, in the Hebrew, this feast is called the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks because it comes seven weeks after the first Sabbath, after Passover, okay, which makes it 49 to 50 days later. The third feast happens in the fall. It's the Feast of Booth. Bring your tents and camp out, and we'll remember what it was like in the wilderness. And so here, though, right now, what's happening, this Feast of Harvest is where Jews would come, and they would bring the first fruits of their living, uh, their crops, and to the temple. And they would make bread with their grain, and with the bread they would wave it before the Lord. And you can read this in the book of Leviticus chapter 23. And it got its name, Pentecost, from the Greek, which means 50, because it happens 50 days after the feast of Passover. And that the Holy Spirit and God's sovereign purposes was poured out on Pentecost was not a fluke. 
wasn't an accident. Any more than it was an accident that Jesus was killed during Passover. He is our Passover lamb. Jesus, a little bit more than a week earlier, told them, don't go home to Galilee. Wait in Jerusalem. And they do. And now, Pentecost hits. And it's a time where there are 10,000s of visiting Jews from all these geographical areas. Let's read verses 1 to 2 now again. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound. A sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So Luke tells us, suddenly, out of the blue, God acted. Or, or to be more precise, the resurrected and descended God-man, who just ten days earlier went up to heaven, received the promise from the Father, and acted, poured out what we read here in our passage this morning. This is Jesus baptizing them, immersing them, drenching them in the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, I don't know what they're precisely doing right before that moment or the next hour or the hour before, but all of a sudden, suddenly, they all hear a sound. And Luke lets us know it was not a natural sound. It was a supernatural sound. A sound from heaven. It's an audible manifestation of God's special presence. That's not unprecedented in Scripture at all. God Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, numerous times recorded in Scripture, would let His presence be known with a, a manifestation that hits one of our five senses, like our ears or our eyes. In Exodus 19, Moses goes up the mountain, and there is thunder. It's just not normal thunder. And lightning and a cloud for 40 days that Moses is in the glory. And then there's a really loud trumpet sound. And it's not because Joey over there blew a trumpet. It's God's choosing to manifest Himself in these unusual ways. 
and throughout the 40 years, right? He's doing it. Cloud by day, a pillar of cloud by day, the presence of God. And that presence, the cloud would hang over the tabernacle. Joshua says, when I get in there, there's something special. I don't want to leave. And there's a pillar of fire by night. In Acts 4, Luke will go on and say, they again were filled with the Spirit. And there he'll say, the building shook. And so, here they are in this room. These Christians. Jesus' mom is there. And they all hear a loud sound. It, much like a hurricane, a violent rushing wind. Doesn't say anything about them feeling any wind. They probably didn't feel any wind. But they heard a sound that was much like that. And it filled the whole house. Verse 3. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So tongues of fire, Luke says, or to say it another way, they saw fire in the form of tongues. This again now was a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence. Moses saw a burning bush. A bush as of fire. And these 120 disciples, all of a sudden, with the sound, see with their eyes what appears to be tongues in the form of fire. A manifested, visible presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, God is not a cloud. He's not fire. He is not a sound. But if God so chooses to manifest Himself in any of those ways that He wants to, He can and He has. Now what they see here are not just flames of fire but they see tongues of fire. That word tongues in verse 3 is the same word tongues that we will see in verse 4. It's the Greek word glossa, referring to that thing I'm speaking with right now inside of my mouth. We form syllables and words with it. And so, as Luke says, they saw fire divided, divided, cut up into separate fires. They're divided up into separate tongues. That's what they saw. That's what appeared to them. They saw 
what looked like tongues, those things with taste buds on them. But not in the form of clay or cut out of a rock or actual flesh, but in the form of what we understand to be fire, and it looked like tongues. They saw many of them. At least 120 of them divided up because each one of those tongues as a fire sat upon, literally sat upon, I don't know, just hanging over the heads, sat upon each one of them. Tongues of fire here is not just a way of saying little flames. We might speak that way. You know, fire looking, you know, we talk about the tongues. It goes, whoosh. That's not what he's saying here. Tongues are the things that we speak with. The things that you could cuss somebody out with. The thing you could curse God with. The thing you could praise God with. You could say how great God is to you with your tongue. That's what they saw. And that praising of God is what is going to happen in verse 4. So what they hear and what they see is what we call in theology a theophany of this manifestation of God, whether in the form of the angel of the Lord or fire or cloud, the glory cloud, etc. This is a Moses at the burning bush moment in history. These Christians were filled with an overwhelming sense of God's presence. So just picture it. There's 120 disciples. What have they been doing for days? Praying. Some Bible study. We saw Luke, and we got to deal with this. The Scripture says this. We need to, to get a replacement for Judas. But Luke lets us know from last week in that text, they were praying and praying and praying. They're praying to God. They know their Bibles. They know that God is present. They know He's not only omnipotent and omniscient, they know, they know He is omnipresent. And they know He hears their prayers in that house on this early morning. That's what's happening. Okay? But then, suddenly, something happens that changes their knowledge of God's presence into an overwhelming experience of God's presence that evidently they didn't have the moment before. They see fire, 
and the form of tongues, and they hear the 50 mile an hour sound of wind, and they are filled up. Not with mere intellectual knowledge of or the logic of God's existence and God's presence and His omnipresence. But they are filled up with an experiential certainty. How does that happen to those human beings? How could that be? Because they're not just physical beings. They're human beings. Human beings, we are those entities that, that, that have a physical aspect to us and that we're utterly bound to right now in this mortality. And if you don't believe it, just have some of your brain cut out. But we're not merely physical. There is an immaterial, non-physical aspect to their persons in that room. They, just like you, are spirit beings who also have the physical aspect. And they were at the core of their being, the immaterial aspect of their person was filled with God who is Spirit. The fire of God's presence begins to burn in their hearts. And then it overflows through their mouths. They are experientially overwhelmed with the greatness of God, their Savior, their Master, their Ascended Lord Jesus. And that begins to pour out in praise directly from their spirits. And in this case here, bypassing their intellect, their minds. So much so that at the end of it, we'll see, there were those who watched what they're doing and said, they're drunk. That's what's, they're just drunk. Verse 4. And they were all Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the, you got to listen carefully, that's the essence of the fullness they received that morning. An overwhelming sense or experience of how great God is. See, from there, they must have continued and gone outside the house, through the streets, 
a block away, two blocks away, and end up in the, tor- uh, the, the, the temple outer, outside grounds because they're still boldly speaking, praising God. We know that because the crowd around them, we look at verse 11, well, they'll say this, we hear them telling, speaking in our own tongues, what are they speaking? The mighty works of God. They're just exalting God. The bystanders are hearing them worship. Worship is flowing out of their mouths. That's the essence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Whether it is in an unknown tongue to you, or whether it is in a known tongue. I did not say that the Holy Spirit enabling people to speak in languages they do not understand with their mind, I did not say that that is the experience of being filled with the Spirit. It is at the core of the being, the Spirit of God causing us to respond and praise and speak of how great He is. That is the essence of being filled with the Spirit. And I say it that way because Luke will go on in chapter 4 and he will say again as these Christians are gathered together that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't say anything there about speaking in tongues. But he does say, and they then spoke the Word of God the gospel, boldly. That's the essence of being filled with the Spirit. So now, let's go back again and read verse 4 slowly. And they were all, okay, all of them gathered together, about 120 persons. Every one of them, they were all what? Two things, Luke says. Two things was true this morning about all of them. And the first thing was the cause of the second thing in this verse. The first thing, read it, they were all filled. There's the verb. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And that verb, 
filled is in the passive voice. Meaning, it was done to them. They did not fill themselves, but they were filled with some content. The content, which is the Holy Spirit, by another. In the larger context, bears clearly the other is the ascended Lord Jesus who poured it out and filled them with the Spirit. And that filling in this verse caused the second thing. The result of being filled with the Holy Spirit caused, quote, all of them to begin to speak in other tongues. Now we're going to see in a moment that that word tongues in the context refers it's a, to languages. Yes, literally it's a thing in the mouth. Figuratively here it's, it refers to other languages. And why other? Because Luke modified the word tongues here with the adjective other, heteros. It's really in Greek, other, very other. That's heterosexual. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm married to a woman and she is very other. Here he says they began to speak in other languages. Well, other than what? The context will bear out. Other than the one or two languages that they knew or understood in their minds, in their intellect, which is Greek and Aramaic. They understood those languages. They spoke them through their intellect, their minds. They grasped the meanings and the syntax of the languages. They communicated in them and spoke them out of their mouth. Here, they spoke in other than those two languages. They began to speak, we know now, the praises of God, the greatness of God. And they did it in languages they did not understand with their minds. Like, other than the word el segundo, I don't know if there is any other word I understood. I know it's sad. I live in California now. But I didn't know what he's talking about. When Bob read Ivan's message, Luke tells us now, this was happening because the Holy Spirit was giving them the ability to speak that way. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. In other tongues. Now that's good enough, but Luke wants you to make sure you don't misunderstand. So he adds, speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them 
ability to speak, literally, the utterance. So let's, let's, let's picture this, AD 33, in Jerusalem. There's 120 voices going off at the same time in many different languages right after they heard the sound and saw the flames of tongues of fire. They must have been pleasantly, if not even fearfully, blown away. There must have been some kind of depth that even surpassing the last three or four days before this of, of a happiness and wonder. And then they pour evidently outside the house in this building and through the streets, and they're still enjoying the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the text will bear out. They were still babbling away in these unknown to them other languages or tongues. And Luke sets the stage for us in what happened next. Look at verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. It's his way of just saying, just as, as far as we know the known world, and there's a synagogue in all of these towns now in the first century in the diaspora, and there's just from all over the place, they're here in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's one of the main feasts. Pentecost. In verse 6, And... At this sound, the sound is tongues, and at this sound, the multitude, this is why we think they're, they're, they're gathering up into the temple court with thousands and thousands of Jews are celebrating. The multitude, they came together, and they were bewildered because each one from all these they don't live in Jerusalem, the main ones he's talking about. Some of them do, but then most of them don't. Each one was hearing these Christians, Mary, Jesus' mother, and his brother James, and Peter, and Mary Magdalene. They're hearing these Christians speak in his. He's from Egypt. And his. He's from way over there in Mesopotamia. Each one is hearing them speak in his own language. They hear the chattering of many different languages. Now, I just don't buy it where some brothers say the miracle was in their hearing. I just, I just don't see it in text. In other words, the miracle here is in the speaking of these differing human languages that they didn't know. That's the miracle. And one guy says, oh, that guy's speaking my language, and he doesn't know what this guy's speaking. It's not his language. But he can hear his language. The miracle is in the speaking, not in the ears doing the hearing. Verse 7, And they were amazed and astonished. <laughs> saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Okay. For us, it'll be like hearing some 
Southern Georgia bells talking, you know, here in California. They're from over there. We know where they're from with an accent. So what are they saying? Why do they do that? Because what they're saying is this. These are blue-collar, uneducated Jews from up in the region of Galilee. How in the world are they speaking all these different languages? They're baffled. That's why they're amazed and astonished. So, Let's read the next few verses. Start with verse 7 again. And they were all amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libba belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles who converted to Judaism, proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. God's promise to His people Israel, which had been written in the Scripture hundreds of years earlier, was fulfilled on this day. And we see it now confronting the masses of Jews. From Jerusalem and Judea, from every known city and province in the Roman Empire and beyond. There was Moses at the burning bush And now on this day, there are 120 Christians filled with the Holy Spirit speaking languages they do not know. And they're doing it in public. Praising God in front of others in languages they don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what sounds, what syllables, what words each person is to speak forth. And each one is speaking about the mighty works of God. And there they sit. And the Lord has grabbed the attention of the crowds. Verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? That's an honest and an appropriate response. And they're ready now. Those persons are ready to hear Peter Stop the tongues and speak in Aramaic. Preach the gospel. Or Greek, whichever one he did. Preach the gospel 
to them. What does it mean? Peter says, I'll tell you. But there was another response coming from other people. And it's the response of mockery. This response is, is a looking down at one's nose at these religious Galilean fanatics coming up with a natural explanation for what's happening. Verse 13. But others mocking, making fun of, said, they are filled with new wine. Drunk. Now, throughout history, church history, and today, yes, there is such a thing as dangerous, and I'm going to add the ISM at the end, which changes the meaning a little bit. There is such a thing as dangerous emotionalism, where it's the thing. In other words, the emotionalism within the church world that, that comes with a vacuum of biblical theology and understanding, or comes with bad theology and bad fruit in the lives. Yes, that exists. Don't be one. But we do need to be warned that we don't mock the enthusiasm and the worship of true, genuine, sincere, imperfect brothers and sisters in the Lord. Just because we think we're smarter or more intellectual than they. It's a warning to watch it, lest we be mocking the Holy Spirit. Ah, they're just drunk. Ah, he's a nut. Just, you know, backwards, uneducated. Feelers, not thinkers. But, some asked, what does this mean? And it means what Peter goes on to say it means. What we have seen this morning in this passage, and its meaning is this. It means that God has fulfilled the messianic promise in sending the son of David to be the everlasting king. And it means that this king was slaughtered on a bloody Roman cross for our sins. And then 
God raised him from the dead. And after 40 days of teaching and appearances, he ascended into heaven at the right hand of authority and power over all the universe. And he has now poured out what we just saw and heard. That's what it And so let me close saying this this morning. The fullness of the Holy Spirit, which was promised in the Old Testament Scriptures, came this day. Fulfilled in AD 33 at Pentecost. It was the inauguration of the New Covenant era. The Holy Spirit has been poured out by our ascended Lord Jesus. And thus the Holy Spirit in His fullness is available today to us. And so let's take heed to what the Apostle Paul encourages us in Ephesians 5, as I close, saying to us, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, which will affect your actions and your thinking and your feelings. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But, 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 but what? Drink something else. But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, today as He is in our presence and as we will turn now to prepare our hearts to share in the fellowship of His saints here at Sovereign Grace, the communion of Christ through the bread and the cup. As it's passed out, if you are a baptized believer, partake, take of them, hold them, we will pray over them, and eat and drink together in a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, You are good. You're marvelous. You're wonderful. I pray that every one of us who is in Christ right now feels our need for You. Feels the need to be overcome and empowered to fight our hardness of heart and our frail minds and our sinful nature. Oh, cause us to be those who hear Paul and say, yes, yes, I will pursue letting you fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
Do it, O Lord, to the glory of your name. Amen.